1: hello and welcome to the gaily prophet a humorous yet ruthless podcast where two queer irl witches reread harry potter and talk about it i am america's favorite griffin dandy lark malachi gray
0: and i am griffin dyke jesse blount and uh actually before we get into the chapter summary and the rest of the episode we have a couple of people to thank uh, these are folks who donated last month in october for our uh donation drive and so thank you so much robin emerald bobby connor and liz owlin and liz you guys are great i hope you like your card
1: yeah seriously thank you to everyone who donated to us it was so wonderful we really appreciate it Uh, i also want to thank anonymous 12 year old for your review (laughs)
0: All right, and now we are talking about chapter 14 of Goblet of Fire, The Unforgivable Curses, in which the gang finally sees fake Moody in action as a teacher. And despite the deeply sus lesson on the unforgivable curses using a live demonstration, it's actually informative, hands-on, and in Harry's case, life-saving. Refresher course class, the three unforgivable curses are the Imperius course, Mind Control, the Cruciatus Curse, the Torture, Physical Torture Curse, and of course, Avada Kedavra, the Unblockable Death Curse. Of course, in a class full of kids born during an active war, this is in fact tricking as hell for a lot of kids, like our favorites, Neville and Harry. Later that night, the boys find out what exactly Hermione has been up to in the library the past few days. Making political buttons! Also, creating the Society for the Promotion of Elfish Welfare, a.k.a. the worst abbreviation, SPEW. Mm-hmm. The boys are negative enthusiastic about this. <laughs> Thankfully, H- Hedrick shows up <laughs> to interrupt this very awkward moment with a letter from everyone's favorite dog father, Sirius Black. Uh, Sirius knows a little bit about constant vigilance and is in fact coming back from his southern vacation to keep an eye on Harry and, of course, the growing fascist movement of the Death Eaters. Harry is scared for Sirius and pissed off at himself, even though it's not his fault. And to be honest, it was bound to happen eventually, Harry. Sorry.
1: Yes, indeed. And we're going to start this newspaper off with today's headlines. Despite mounting evidence, Hogwarts officials deny accusations of raising a child army. (laughs)
0: oh jesus <laughs> <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, uh, so good. And with
1: that we turn to the front page where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else
0: i just uh, just that like remus sending a letter to moody or i'm sure whoever was gonna get the job after him is just like it's like I have hard eyes, but also they're crying. It's like crying hard <laughs> eyes. <laughs> emoji <Yeah. laughs> is how I feel about the entire thing. Ugh, what a yeah. cute guy. He's so good. I know.
1: It's ridiculous that mm-hmm. he didn't just fucking stay and keep his job. I know. Um, speaking of the Defense Against the Dark Arts job, Harry says that Snape has failed four years in a row to get that job. As if... Time began when Harry (laughs) arrived at
2: Hogwarts.
1: (laughs) It's like, because we know that this job has been cursed since Dumbledore didn't give it to Voldemort. Like, they've had a new teacher every year. Yeah. And Harry honestly believes that this problem began the year that he arrived at the school, which is like, I mean, whatever. He's 14. Of course, he thinks that time began with him. Yeah. No offense, 14-year-olds. I know not all 14-year-olds, but many
0: 14-year-olds. Yeah. It's just like a very like, oh, Harry. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. I feel like besides our love of Hermione, me and Ron only agree on one other thing, which is an intense dislike of spiders. So I, too, want to know why spiders, fake Moody. Why did you have to do this with spiders? Why are there giant spiders? Why... Are they now just dead spiders? Just like, no, I don't want to see. I mean, I don't want to see spiders being tortured or killed, but I don't want to see them just hanging out either. I don't want to see them. <laughs> what? <laughs> Whose idea was this?
1: I don't think I knew that you didn't like spiders. I do not
0: like spiders. I can look at photos of spiders if they're not too gross and like if they're like tiny or if they're just somewhere in the world where I can't see them. But I don't I don't really like spiders. I don't like <laughs> them being near me. I like spiders.
1: Anyway, you are correct that it is extremely rude that he chose spiders. So many people are afraid of spiders. This is, I mean, I you said something, I think, in the last episode about, like, he's just good at cruelty. And I think that this is a place that that's showing up. Like, I think Barty Crouch Jr. thinks this is funny, probably.
0: Yeah. And I mean, granted, I'm like, I, I can't really imagine another insect that I would want to see treat it like this because i'm like insects are beneficial like they're most happy they don't fucking want to deal with people unless they're a bed bug which is i mean let them burn in hell but (laughs) it could have been like like a house fly like no one is like oh man there's not enough house flies you know yeah so but yeah spiders i'm just like you just had to be that asshole
1: (laughs) yep a horsefly i feel like people have enough animosity towards horseflies that they wouldn't feel super bad about watching a horsefly get tortured
0: right or if you like or because like i mean
1: right it hurts so much to get bit by a horsefly i bet they don't have those in the uk
0: probably at least not in north scotland but i mean a biting fly is fucking the worst so yeah
1: um okay so Moody talks about the imperious curse and he's like the ministry had a really hard time sorting out who was being forced to act versus who was doing it of their own free will. And I wanted to bring up here a theory that someone sent us that Barty Crouch Jr. was actually innocent at the time that he was
0: convicted. Interesting. Either
1: that he was imperious to participate in the thing or that he like honestly was like wrong place, wrong time and didn't have anything to do with it Uh, and that that's like why he's so evil now is basically like his dad sentencing him basically to life in prison, death in prison like pushed him to actually become a Voldemort supporter. Interesting. Right? I think it's a much more interesting read if we read it that way.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like how some people wouldn't become violently radicalized unless... Like, they're being harmed by the system. And then they're like, all of a sudden, like, you know what? Actually, fuck all of you.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And I'm not saying, obviously, that means that you should become a Death Eater. (laughs) Like, that's not what I'm saying. But it is, I think it is actually a very good read on the situation. Which I guess maybe would also explain the kind of, like, overarching question with Fake Moody, which is, you're, like, evil piece of shit. But you're so good at teaching these kids. Mm-hmm. Like, you're so good at being a teacher or faking being a teacher. Like, where does where does that come from? I mean, usually you can tell a, a hateful, spiteful, like teacher, like Snape. You can, like, in right. real life, you can spot a Snape immediately, even if they're not that outwardly, verbally cruel to the students. You can just tell, right? You know. But I mean, part of it is like he's obviously pretending to i mean he's a full dumbledore you know that's a kind of a tall order but from when we get from here he's still just doing a a good job
1: yeah i agree i think we should we should proceed with like considering this reading as we interact with him
0: okay because i feel that answers more questions about right about just like obviously he's pretending to be moody but there's probably still a lot of barty crouch in this in this performance you know right yeah okay hmm i like this me too um this relates to our conversation we were having for recording which if there is if there is like calculations involved i too would just make it my divinations homework because that sounds hard as fuck
1: <laughs> yeah i had that in education like of course they're making no progress on their star charts no one has ever taught them math like how do you do a calculation if you can't do math? Like, Harry learned math previous to coming to Hogwarts, but he hasn't taken a math class in four years now. Ron never learned math because he has never gone to a school except for Hogwarts. Trelawney's not teaching them the math that you need to to calculate Shay. I mean, maybe that's what they're learning in astronomy. I don't think I don't so. Because they're, like, outside. It's not like they're, like on the roof like learning how to how to do calculations.
0: I mean, maybe some of the kids who are some of the like witch-born kids who weren't like half-muggle or like muggle-born. Maybe some of them get like fancy tutors, but Ron just had Molly and Arthur teaching him math. Maybe. And 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 like and I'm not trying to say but I'm just like I'm sure Ron Pod knows like practical math applications, but maybe not like the sort of advanced calculations you need for fucking shit in the sky during a given time you know
1: yeah actually when i was i didn't succeed in writing an ad for today but when i was trying to write an ad for today it was gonna be for a tutor a math tutor yeah i i just feel like i mean i i guess i don't know what math you need to like calculate the positions of the planets but geometry that's my guess trigonometry one or the other of those, right? You're triangulating things.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, so things with like degrees. Yeah, fuck, I don't even know.
1: Those are the ones that I can't do. I'm great at algebra and calculus, but I have like serious like spatial awareness issues that make it so that I look at a fucking shape and trying to figure out how to do it and I'm like, nope.
0: Cuz that's what you would that's what you would need to be doing. Also with this is like you're also accounting for the way that the earth rotates mm-hmm. both you know around the sun and just sort of and just like you know the rotation that causes like day and night right so and like that sounds complicated as fuck you know? right
1: i mean when like you know Mercury's squaring neptune like that's what does that mean like the squaring that's math that's math that you're doing yeah so
0: you, you know, actually, shit, now that I think about it, though, if you had, like, a really fancy, what are those things where it's, like, if you had, like, a mechanical thing where, like, you turned a lever and, like, the Earth moved and the planets move, you'd be
2: that maybe...
1: expensive it, thing that Harry stopped himself from buying in the last book?
0: This seems like a thing that should be available. This should be in a room somewhere. Like, a giant one. There probably is one in a giant room. But, like, are they, like, not allowed to use it? I'm just like, what?
1: yeah. <laughs> that's so true they should just have something like that like even if they were learning the math to be able to do it it's kind of like i don't know making people do longhand addition
0: okay so i don't know if you caught this but we had a shrill alert
1: oh i didn't
0: when hermione it's like when she notices that's like we that's when harry notices neville is because hermione said something but it, she says it shrilly which i'm like what the fuck
1: yep stop it hermione said shrilly <sighs> yep of course she did
0: yeah i hate it, <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, I hate it so much.
1: yeah cool i have two more things uh one is about exposition because there's like kind of a lot of it in this chapter with Harry sort of giving us the rundown about, like, his parents' deaths and, like, how he learned it from the Dementors. And it's just, like, really clunky and really bad and could have been... I think it's fine that it's included, like, a reminder about it. I think it's good for us to be, like, refreshed about how painful this is for Harry. It just could have been so much better. I'm not gonna, like, read all of it because it's really long, but... Harry. it starts with, Harry had been picturing his parents' deaths over and over again for three years now, ever since he'd found out that they'd been murdered, ever since he'd found out what happened that night, colon. And then it, like, goes into all of this stuff. And I think, it's because it's like how Voldemort had killed Harry's father first, whatever, whatever. And then at the end, it's like he knew these details because he'd heard it when he fought the Dementors. That's what the Dementors did. And, like, what if we started this with, ever since the Dementors had like made him bear witness to it and then he like described what he saw during the dementors and then it would have flowed so nicely yeah so whatever this is just a bad writing alert and it bummed me out
0: (laughs) no i think i think you're right because i feel like having that section about him reflecting on his parents death is i think it's important because we see him sort of suppress that a lot Mm -hmm. you know and like this is obviously not not a great reminder but yeah, but I think the whole passage, you're right, is pretty clunky.
1: Yeah, again, I want I want there to have been a more aggressive editor who was like, "Hey, like take this, reverse the order, you know, play with this a little bit. It could it could be much more poetic."
0: Yeah, I think past this book, it gets real bad. I know. <laughs> I think I think there might be a I think there was a really long wait between book four and book five, and then between book five and six and seven, there was like. A weight, but not as much of a weight. but I'm kind of like reading them. you're like, oh, this should have, you guys should have sat on this a little (laughs) bit longer. Let it sit, come back to it, do some more edits. Yeah, definitely. Uh, You know, anyway.
1: All right. So here's my last, here's my last thing. Here's the passage. I'm going to read it to you. Oh, dear. Harry laid down his quill, having just predicted his own death by decapitation. What's in the box? He asked.
0: It is probably not a reference. I think it seven. is. Really? I think it, I think it
1: has to be. It's oh, so, no. so perfect. <laughs> I feel like it has, like, I hate to give Scoundrel to hair credit for anything, but this feels like it must be intentional. Like, it just made her laugh in the moment. She was like, I'm leaving this in.
0: Or some editor was like, you know, it'd be funny to have
1: here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. It just, I think it has to be.
0: And listeners, we are kind of spoiling a movie that has been... from out
1: 1995. 1990.
0: <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> is it from ninety five? I thought it was from 99.
1: It's from... I looked it up to make sure that this was written after the movie came out. So yes, it came out in 95. Wow. Anyway, yes, what the reference is to is that someone receives his wife's head in a box, I believe. Yep. But pre-opening it is just screaming what's in the box. But like, yeah, he kind of knows what's in the box. Yep, so that just made me laugh. Uh, and now. Welcome to the education section, where we talk about this goddamn school.
0: Do we ever see a defense against a dark arts teacher, besides Lupin, trying to learn the kids' names? Like, Lupin we know, like, clearly our knew his names before term started, or whatever. But we see Moody with, like, a roll call list. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's double-checking it against the people that he's looking at. Mm-hmm. And I feel that's like 101, being a good person when you're acting with children is is like in people, but especially children is knowing their fucking name. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
1: I think Lockhart learned the names of the students that complimented him the most. Yeah. It seems unlikely that Coral knew
0: anyone's names. I feel like, what's her face...
1: I think Umbridge memorized every child in the school's name immediately, but, like, not to be a good teacher, just so that she knew who to yell at.
0: Yeah. And I feel like it's really up in the air about if Snape knows the first years <sighs> of book seven, book six, like, names. No. I can like kind of a lot going on, so probably. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think Snape bothers to learn names aside from the students that he... I'm sure the ones in his house and then the ones that he wants to, like, bully, probably. hmm Can we talk about the fact that Dumbledore has approved teaching unforgivable curses to 14-year-olds?
0: Okay, so I do want to talk about this. Because I've always assumed that fake Moody didn't ask, but Dumbledore's like, yeah, sure, okay. Because it's already happened, I think, probably mm. by whatever class you know, Fred and George had, if it's like the second, the first or second day, whatever year, there were years have had that. Mm-hmm. And so maybe he's like, okay, for the older kids, whatever. And then so by the time he gets to the fourth years, like, I don't, I don't think Dumbledore knew beforehand.
1: I propose that this is what he hired Moody to teach. That fake Moody is, is following real Moody's lesson plan. That Dumbledore was like, there was a new prophecy. Wormtail escaped. Voldemort's going to come back. I got to bring on Moody to, like, scare these kids into fighting Voldemort because I predict that the adults of this society are going to, like, really fail when push comes to shove.
0: Yeah. Interesting. I guess I just really can't imagine anyone giving lessons plans to Dumbledore. <laughs> to like to approve.
1: No, I think Dumbledore asked Moody to come do this. Like, mm. I want you to show the kids like what it's like to be in Aurora. I want you to make them afraid of Voldemort's return.
0: That's fucked up.
1: Yeah, it
2: is. uh,
0: (laughs) I, I feel like, honestly, I feel kind of, I have a lot of mixed feelings about this because this is information that, I don't know, maybe these kids should have gotten earlier just because... If nothing else, again, a lot of these kids were born during war. Like I'm sure Harry's like the only war orphan in this school. Like I'm sure Neville's the only kid who's like essentially an orphan. Yeah. You know, because of the Christiatus curse. Like
1: I don't think that means they need to see it.
0: I no, I don't think they need to see it. That is I think that's out of line. I think you could have talked about it. You could have I think I think sixth
1: year seems like a good age, personally, to wait for that information.
0: I don't know i guess i don't i don't like the live demonstration because i think that was fucked up especially basically springing on these kids. that is exactly what trigger warnings
1: are for can yes. i just say like people yeah. who get like sassy about fucking trigger warnings in college classrooms it's like this is what trigger warnings are for so you can decide if you can go to class that day or not but also so you can be fucking braced for impact that's why yeah. we keep all our triggering shit in the politics section it acts as its own trigger warning. Yeah. Like, come on. Don't yeah. do not do this.
0: Yeah, and I feel like there's a way of learning about this that isn't as triggering as watching it happen in front of your eyes.
1: Totally. And
0: being like, oh, this is what happened to my loved ones. Like, making that connect. Like, it's kind of like...
1: And for Neville, I think it's so much worse for Neville than for Harry. Because, oh, like, yeah, for sure. Avada Kedavra, like, Moody says, like, it's not pretty, it's not pleasant, something like that, but I'm like, I don't know, kind of seems like it's done real fast, you know?
0: It, it's, it's done real fast, and there isn't a lot of blood or, like, visceral. Like, There's a lot of really terrible, ugly ways to die, yeah. you know? And depending on how your what your tolerance is, or if you are also a child of Internet 2.0 and, is, and have, like, been sprung upon really disgusting things in the Internet, which happens, unfortunately, to us all, I feel like, mm-hmm. you know? There's a lot of ugliness that i feel like is different seeing it as like a video or a visual or a photo that's different than like if you're reading about it Mm -hmm. you know
1: like why i can listen to spooky podcasts but i can't watch scary movies
0: yeah yeah for real so anyway yes i think it's your turn all right uh the second thing i really appreciate about moody in this chapter is he's like y'all are good about dark creatures you're really behind on your, on your curses and countercurses. And I'm like, yes, thank you. Someone who's like, let me think about your comprehensive education to, and like compensate my lesson plan accordingly. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, as far as we can tell, up until this point, Harry's only learned two practical things from Defense Against the Dark Arts, which is Expelliarmus, which you learn in Dueling Club, unintentionally
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then uh you know the patronus charm
1: which he didn't even learn in class he learned yes. ridiculous that's useful
0: that is that is useful and a bunch of stuff about like Grindylows and yeah, other things that grindy low lesson up.
1: is gonna come in handy yeah. pretty
0: soon yeah and so i'm just i'm just like yes finally someone who's approaching this as a like all right you guys really should learn about curses and countercurses up to now, but We're going to remedy that right now. And I'm like, thank God.
1: Yep, I agree. (laughs) Okay, so you mentioned earlier about like fake Moody being a really good teacher. And we get such a good example of that here when he like, even though he has an ulterior motive for taking care of Neville, which is to plant that book in the dorm room that Harry's going to need he does such a good job of taking care of Neville and his like trauma of like recognizing this was really triggering for you. I'm going to like help you. I'm going to give you tea and talk about something that you're like good at and interested in. And you know, Harry notes that it's something that professor Lupin would have done. And then I started crying cause I'm a mess right now. And it, I'm just, I'm just really glad that Neville had this uh-huh. and that like, there's a teacher finally on this campus that would do something like this because i don't think any of the others would
0: yeah the layers of this is actually kind of a mind fuck but yeah like i think this is one of the few times we see an adult being gentle and kind to neville yeah because we assume that sprout is but that's all happening off screen because harry doesn't care about plants for whatever fucking reason right (laughs) um but this is like the only tangible time we're getting this like oh yeah, I'm feeling better. Like, Professor Moody gave me this book about water plants and it's like, Sprout told him to go to Herbology and I'm like, my baby.
1: I'm just having a, like, brain explosion moment right now too. If we are imagining that Barty Crouch Jr. actually either didn't have anything to do with Neville's parents being tortured or didn't willingly have anything to do with it, him taking care of Neville in this moment could actually be, like, legitimate empathy in addition to like i need to plant this book but like what if he's like my trauma also started with your trauma like i might be evil now but i'm evil because of like the same reason that you're currently super fucking triggered and upset
0: and maybe even kind of a way to like without being blatant about it sort of apologize to neville it's like sorry sorry that i was a witness slash victim also of the torturing of your parents like this ruined both of our lives, bro. Yeah. <laughs> you
1: know? Holy shit. Interesting.
0: I think this is a much e- a more interesting read than just assuming that Barty Crouch Jr. is just acts crazy.
1: Yeah. Welcome to the politics section where we talk about things that are fucked up.
0: Moody says that using unforgivable curses on... Your fellow human beings m- means you go straight to ban. So does that mean it's not forgivable? It's like fine if you use this on like animals or let's say non-human beings. Like if you're using Cruciatus on your house elf, does it like does it like not matter? Because I feel like that means yes. I feel like the answer is yes. The answer is yes.
1: Oh, I hate that so much. Oh man, that sucks.
0: Uh, I mean, we I mean we see it with these spiders because I'm just like, what? How come what you're doing isn't illegal? right now. it's like, oh, it's just spider.
1: You know what the other thing that I uh, thought about and always Mm -hmm. think about when I read that line is, like, we see Kingsley Shacklebolt cast the Imperious Curse on Marietta Edgecombe, and Harry casts the Imperious Curse on what's-his-face in the bank in book seven? Travers. Mm -hmm. And it's what? Okay, because they're the good guys? Kingsley casts it on a child. She's like 15 years old.
0: In front of the headmaster. She was like, listen, you gotta do what you gotta do. hmm Well, I mean, I think we've already established that the quote-unquote justice system in this world is just as fucked up as ours. Yep. All right. So I guess... I guess we're moving on to Spew then.
1: All right. Finally. Let's talk about Spew.
0: Her- Hermione's heart is in the right place. That's 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 what I want to start off with. Her Her heart's in the right place. And even... Even the strategies she is listing here about how to get people involved in her cause. Pretty similar to what a lot of leftist political jokes and political, sorry, political, (laughs) uh, political organizations, like leftist political organizations do. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: The downside to that is like a lot of political organizations, Hermione is starting spew from a place of what she thinks is, you know, best for the elves and... I don't know. It's sort of like, it's like, it's like a little bit misguided, but I think the way that Harry and Ron are perceiving the misguided bits is not the correct way in which she's misguided, if that makes sense.
2: hmm
1: totally. I want to say, like, before we dig super into that, just how much I appreciate the long-term aims specifically, because it just shows, like, how much Hermione is, like, how much thought she's put into this because she's absolutely right that changing the law about wand use though, not just for elves also for like goblins and centaurs and like anyone else who wants to use a fucking wand and, and getting representation in the ministry for the quote unquote creatures who are being controlled and regulated by the ministry. Like, yeah, yes, these are the reforms that need to happen. So, Badly, so yeah. badly. Yeah. Separate, like, even if this was a completely different crusade that she was on, like, separate from the house elf liberation, changing these structural issues, I'm like, I want this very badly.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's also sort of okay. Listen, y'all, I worked, I, I've worked at nonprofits on and off for several years now. uh I've been a part of nonprofits. It's just that sometimes, like, there's, There's a way to go about improving people's lived, like, people's everyday lives now. And that is, like, different from being, like, we should really be focusing on changing the laws and the structures of what are causing these acute problems. Mm -hmm. And I think part of where a lot of nonprofits go astray is that they... Don't focus on the sort of structural stuff. Right. Uh, I'm going to use animal rescue for an example. Uh, You know what? Rescuing cats and dogs off of the street is great. Like fostering animals is really great. It's not ever going to stop animals from being abandoned or mistreated until we look at the structural issues that affect why people would do that and address them. So Mm. things like, Uh, affordable housing that allows pets and universal basic income are two things that I'm like, that would honestly really lower the amount of abandoned and mistreated animals. Mm -hmm. Like, let's be be real. But it's not as sexy or interesting as being like, look at this basket of kittens. And like, full disclosure, I am fostering kittens. I am laying in a pile of kittens. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I am aware that like the fulfillingness of like having foster animals is like immediate and just like straight serotonin shot into your brain but i'm also aware that like it's it's a band-aid on a just like waterfall of problems that it's like really we if animal rights people should be focusing on these like structural inequalities that cause people to like give up beloved animals right or to use animals in a way to create money to live in ways that mistreat them are harmful to them and
1: yeah overturning breed restrictions like also yeah. a huge thing
0: right and which is based in fucking racism <laughs> right like breed restrictions are fucking racist yep um and even just like the the kind of breed restrictions and hate against pit bulls is part of a long history of several different breeds of dogs being label- labeled as like dangerous or bad or only those people have them and I mean, it's been a variety of breeds of dogs over like we're just like, really? Poodles? But yeah, like there's a period in time where poodles are like, these dogs are too dangerous for like people to be having all these po- like all these poodles. So Yeah. Yeah. So Hermione and House Elves. Hermione is falling into a trap that a lot of people fall into. Um Is she
1: yet? because i feel like right now her goals are all structural she wants to end the like practice of enslavement of house elves so they're about to go wrong when she starts trying to free elves against their will yeah but right now i think she is doing a good job she is really focused on like how can we make structural changes Mm -hmm. am i misreading it
0: no sorry you're no you're right you're right So I guess this is kind of just like, Hermione, what do the house elves want (laughs) to improve their lives? But yes.
1: I mean, that's the, I mean, I think that's such a huge thing. Like it is a huge issue that she hasn't spoken to a fucking house elf besides Winky. Uh, Like she doesn't even talk to Dobby. She's just heard about Dobby. But also if we assume, I think safely, that part of this enslavement involves some sort of enchantment. Mm-hmm. She would go talk to the elves in the Hogwarts kitchens and they would and they would tell her exactly what fucking Ron says, which is they like it yeah and I don't think that it's right that that should lead to her not wanting to make this change. I feel like she should hear that and be like, I need to like dig deep into the history of this and figure out why this is how they feel. yeah, um, at which point I assume she would uncover you know, an enchantment, a, you know, Slayer origin story where someone did something super fucked up and created this system.
0: I don't remember if it's in... Because she mentioned she's doing some research and not finding a lot about house elves in the library, correct? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So, which is like... So that says to me either the history is really fucked up and everyone's just like, we're not going to talk about it. Or... I mean, I guess it's really just it. It's like the history has been written by by witches who are like, "Yeah, this is the, the house of love being enslaved." What are you talking about? We
2: right.
0: found them living primitively, and we gave them and we brought them into our modern homes. I don't know, like,
1: right?
0: Whatever terrible uh, justification is, right? So. I guess I just like I feel like Hermione does have the right the right ideas, and like. I mean, definitely, like, a lot of structural things. I don't know. I guess I just feel like it's hard to try to, like, how do you break through people who don't have empathy for house elves? Or, I mean, I guess you could say just empathy for people besides themselves and maybe, like, their close, you know, community. Which I feel like is maybe just a giant question about the world in 2021. It's just, like, how do I convince you to have empathy for, like, people and beings that that are not you? Yeah. So yeah, it's a hard it's a hard struggle Hermione, <laughs> and I feel like, I feel like a lot of the wrong turn she makes in later chapters is just like born out of that frustration where it's like something is wrong, and no one fucking cares. Right? Know?
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, I feel like she really she's she's starting pretty strong here, and she very rapidly like veers into PETA territory. Yeah. Which is like, we're just going to like do this at any cost without any thought for the consequences or like how we would how we would remedy this, you know?
0: Yeah. But I felt I felt that kind of makes sense to me, given that Hermione is 14, because I feel like as a, bit of a vegetarian, I was like, yeah, PETA has some good ideas. And now I'm just like, no, PETA's the fucking worst. They are but, the worst. <laughs> um, if you are a young vegetarian, uh, Pete is the fucking worst. Sorry, don't.
1: Their uh, shelters euthanize like 80% of the animals that they take in. They are terrible.
0: <laughs> and they do have very angry material you can get for free. I understand that. It is pretty great. But in general, their practices are deeply racist <laughs> and deeply fucked up. They have like, they're like up.
1: kidnapped dogs from loving owners like PETA is so bad oh my god oh yeah no but like you're right like I also totally feel it when I was when I was like in middle school my dad used to joke that he assumed that when I was a young adult he would be like bailing me out for like participating in Greenpeace or PETA demonstrations (laughs) he's like this is and not in a mean way in a you know Yeah, you're super intense about this whole animal rights thing. I imagine that you're going to get real caught up in it. And I am on a government watch list for having volunteered with Greenpeace for a long time. So whatever.
0: I mean, Rite of Passage is on (laughs) the government watch list. Yeah, I used to hang with a lot of uh, radicals and cross-punks. So I'm definitely sure I'm on an FBI list somewhere. Um, But having said that, I still feel like, I don't know, if I was single, I would definitely consider chaining myself to some trees and being like fuck your deforestation
1: (laughs) and i think those those actions actually can be really useful too because a lot of times just drawing people's attention to things is really useful and sometimes being incredibly inconvenient for a long enough period of time is all that you need to do (laughs) so
0: yeah this is true um
1: wow we've talked about this forever uh i have a couple things like education related things that i want to talk about if you are done with house elf stuff,
0: oh, I just have just. I think this is maybe more about the writing, but like, there's nothing good about the line. They like being enslaved. That's all. Like, as, like, just. I mean, this is. I think that, again, like I mentioned in an earlier episode, I think Hermione could have had a better magical cause that wouldn't be so fraught and ridiculous. But when it's like magical slavery, and then so you have lines for main characters that we're supposed to like where it's like they like being enslaved is just like a terrible look this is a terrible terrible look and just like i just and i just want everyone to imagine like a very very white ron saying this to a very black hermione and just being like are you like are you fucking kidding me
1: i know i know it's really bad it's it's really really bad the way yeah. that he says it is it's really bad
0: it's a really bad look it's a really bad look
1: and you're so right because i think you know us talking so much just now about like animal rights and veganism and stuff like i just think that like like a world where we just didn't have house elves and then hermione getting upset about like magical like the 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 potions ingredients maybe or like the way that sentient plants are treated or you know something like that and you know Being like, I did all this research and it turns out that these like plant based alternatives are just as effective in potions. And we're like, you know, harvesting armadillo bile when we don't need to be like, great, great, you know? Yeah,
0: it's like global warming. We don't have a a barrel full of toads to be disemboweling. Like, right. Amphibians are literally like becoming endangered species and dying off on mass. Like, where are you sourcing this barrel full of toads? <laughs> did you just make those toads fucking extinct? So yeah, yeah that, that would have been great. Yeah, I think uh, the scoundrel clearly did not have a teenage vegetarian phase to have pulled from, so decided to pull from slavery instead, which is not a thing.
1: A choice with a capital C
0: not a church should take light no that's all i got
1: and especially dobby. not and especially to make dobby like the weirdo you know yeah anyway okay so actually speaking of disemboweling toads snape giving neville the parent of a toad the detention task of disemboweling toads is so far Beyond fucked up. Like, what?
0: I would have gotten expelled. I would have been like, fuck you. I'm gonna spit in your fucking face. If someone was like, if they was like, hey, for your detention, you're gonna be disemboweling kittens, like a barrel of kittens. I'd be like, I'm expelled because I'm not fucking doing this shit. Yeah. Number one. And number two, by hand, oh fuck you. You have a wand, you just you fucking self.
1: Yeah. No, it's like no it's wonder monstrous.
0: No wonder Neville was having about to have an emotional breakdown. Like, are you shitting me?
1: I know. I'm so upset. I'm so upset.
0: I feel like it's like the feeling that I feel whenever I hear about someone bullying a queer teen, which is the like, tell me where they are. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go down to the school, to their house, I'm gonna fuck them up. Mm-hmm. I don't fucking care. I'm gonna like I'm gonna do it right now.
1: Oh, yep.
0: I guess Neville is my uh, queer teen stand-in in this book. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Neville is queer. Like, also possibility. Mm-hmm. So he has a very uh, not hyper-masculine way about him, which I'm always just like, are you a tender bisexual boy?
1: I mean, I thought, did I make this up that we agreed to imagine a future for Neville where he has a husband in a plant shop instead of Uh, yes
0: you're right yeah i think it's been a while since we talked about
1: that i think so too but i hold it very dearly in my heart so (sighs)
0: yeah neville i feel like neville needs a boyfriend now neville just needs someone in his fucking corner
1: (laughs) yeah truly yeah i want now that i'm thinking about it again i'm like i want it to be a muggle plant shop i want him to marry a muggle and have a muggle plant shop and like you know he can do magic to like make the plants like really healthy and like Make plants that like, you know, even the, the the worst plant person can't kill as long as their intentions are pure, you know? Yeah. That would be so beautiful, but just to, like get the fuck away from the majority of the witching world.
0: I feel like talking about novels, I feel like a little bit how is like a lot of how I talk about Simon and Escape from Reality <laughs> where it's like I just want I just want someone to be be in your corner, Neville. Yeah, truly. What What do you want? You should maybe just go live with the like live with the muggles and like fuck all of these fucking witches. Like fuck every one of <laughs> them. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, BB.
1: Um, I have some other education stuff. Did you have anything else in this section?
0: Uh, no. So let's talk about some education stuff. Okay. So the rest of
1: it is about Neville and Harry having to like relive this trauma, or. I don't know if it's not reliving because, well, for Harry, it is now because the Dementor showed him what his initial trauma was like. But, you know, having to watch the curses that took their parents away from them, which we've already said is like super fucked up. But I wanted to talk about the very accurate representations of what living like acutely living through a trigger looks like that we get in this chapter we get it sort of internally from Harry. Uh, he, like, fully dissociates when he watches the spiders get Avada a And we get the line. Um, he, like, comes back into himself, as a, and it's like Moody is speaking from a great distance, which is fully accurate. And then after class, we see Neville still fully dissociated. He's standing alone, just staring at a blank wall. And when our trio goes to talk to him, he's like trying so hard to perform okayness and just failing.
0: Which, what a mood! Jesus right? Christ! I'm, I'm like, like <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yep, I identify with that. Yeah, so much. Yeah, and then we see Harry's internal response to hearing everyone around them being like wow it was like such a great lesson like that was so cool did you see the thing and Harry's like what the actual fuck just like so upset and I think it was on our episode with Karen and Eugenia I think Karen was like the this these books like really accurately display what trauma looks like and Up until this point, we've had some issues with the way that Harry is portrayed as, like, a traumatized child because, like, his abuse isn't really displayed as being as traumatic as it should be. But I think this is the moment where that starts being
0: true. Yeah. Because
1: this is super real.
0: Yeah. And I think maybe, I wonder if maybe part of it is sort of, because, like, this is, this is the shit gets real book. And mm-hmm. then, like, the rest of the tone of the series is significantly darker than the first three books. Yeah. And so, I wonder if part of like, that is also getting, being able to go deeper with Harry's trauma, because it just looks and feels like, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it like, it gets, it gets kind of deeper into trauma where he's like, he's like angry. He's disassociating. He's like withdrawal. Like, he goes through all of these kind of, like, you see throughout the rest of these books, him go through a, you know, the variety of ways of like responding to the just mountains of trauma he's about to experience and has experienced and like all that shit compounded in him just like
1: yeah i totally agree with you
0: and this is why i'm always angry when everyone's like in the fifth book it's like oh harry's just so angry and like whiny i'm like he's had so much trauma happen to him and then he's the only like parental figure in his (laughs) fucking life that he spent like two hours with total is fucking dead. And y'all are just like, why is this? So yeah. Yes. He should be screaming at everyone for way longer than he does in book five. For honestly, real. the way that, even
1: just like at the very beginning of the book, the way that everyone has treated him that summer, like he watched Cedric die and then just gets fucking sent home and ignored and no one will answer his questions. He should like, I don't want him to forgive anyone ron and her mind you're like we're not allowed. like no you are his friend do a better job you make you can make your own choices no one is monitoring your fucking mail send harry potter a letter tell him what's going on
0: dude show up at his house like <laughs> anything
1: for real yeah the hard agree yeah welcome to advertisements where we ask for your help and then i don't give you an ad because i tried to write one but i was not successful all right here we go are you interested in accessing some of our patreon only content like our recent adhd advice episode episodes of our buffy podcast we are the gayers or amazing fanfic that jesse writes but financially that just isn't possible are you also good at both listening to our podcast and typing? Then you should head to hashtag Ruthless.com transcriptions where you can get info on how to trade your proofreading skills for Patreon content. We have all of the old episodes of our show auto-transcribed and we need your help to clean them up. So that's hashtag Ruthless.com transcriptions. Welcome to editorials where we rant about stuff.
0: Oh my god, I kind of forgot we hadn't done editorials.
1: This is a real <laughs> ranty episode.
0: Since we just ranted for so long in politics.
1: <laughs> and education. This is a heavy fucking chapter.
0: Yeah. I feel like my first thing we've already kind of covered, but just leave my sensitive plant dad Neville alone.
2: <laughs> leave, l- leave him be. Everyone Please.
0: leave
1: Neville alone. Um, Can we talk about how just utterly uninterested Harry and Ron have been in why Hermione is spending so much time in the library it is
0: very frustrating to me
1: she's their best friend I think it's Thursday they start on a Monday she's been in the library like every second that she's not in class or eating and they're just like whatever she's like been in the and Harry's like library eye roll what the fuck ever Hermione who even cares
0: Ron, this is why Hermione didn't ask you to do the fucking Yule Ball, dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, no, you're correct. They're just like, ah, eh, whatever. And I'm like, don't you want to know what she's... Are you not interested in Hermione's other interests besides helping your asses with fucking homework? They oh, I guess not.
1: not. I hate it.
0: <sighs> I also hate it.
1: I'm extremely and unreasonably frustrated That all three of these spiders are in the same jar, and yet we are led to believe that Moody is catching a different spider each of the three times that he catches a spider, because that's extremely unlikely. Yeah. he should have three jars, each with one spider in
0: it. I feel like if I knew how to use TikTok, this would be an incredibly good TikTok video. (laughs) Where it's like the three spiders. It was just like, how come you guys are being fucking tortured? And then just like... I don't know, man. we are just chill at the bottom of this jar. (laughs) Uh,
1: It's such a silly thing to be annoyed by, but I was like,
2: that's... What do you mean he
1: caught the third spider? How do you know? Yeah. They're wearing, like, little badges.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's painted numbers conveniently on the back of the spider. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
1: All right. Uh, Yes, what do you have next?
0: Um, My last editorial is just, let's talk about Hermione making these buttons. Mm-hmm. Or badges, as they're called here. But they're buttons. And I'm like, okay. So they don't have plastic in the witching world. What are these buttons made out of? Is she just like crafting them in the library? Is there like a craft closet somewhere where she's getting these materials? <laughs> I just have so many questions about Hermione's, about where she got these buttons like this is, such a good is she question. just transfiguring the buttons out of like i don't know like like actual loose buttons that you would have like on your cloak or whatever
1: what a great question this is such a good question as a former punk who spent a lot of time using a button maker it was very easy for me to just imagine Hermione using a button maker, but no, she doesn't have a fucking button maker.
0: (laughs) And I have to say this because I've actually always had a hard time envisioning what these buttons look like. Because I guess part of me is like imagining like an enamel pin button or maybe whenever they make the like I support such a diggory buttons, I'm like... Like like because like like what what am I supposed to be imagining here besides like a giant enamel pin or you're right like a plastic fronted metal back definitely that
1: one not an enamel pin definitely the like the kind that you can make in a in a Denny's with a magazine cutout. <laughs> and a button maker, yeah,
2: which are a
0: lot of fun. I do have a button. I have maker. a button maker,
1: like w- within a ten second reach of me right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, so yeah, I'm just, I just have so many questions about this, and I'm just like, also want to imagine Hermione like at a at her favorite table in the library. Maybe it's like by a window, and she is just like, I'm gonna make this fucking button.
2: Uh huh.
0: You know
1: what? God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> let's okay no mm, room of requirement that's what i want the answer to be
0: okay she room, went room of
1: requirement there was a button maker waiting for her she knows how to work a button maker she's a muggle or at least she can figure it out
0: yeah she's seen a button if you've seen a button i think you can kind of i think it helps in like if i know how a button looks yeah and the button maker is just like a stamp so yeah
1: yeah And there were, like, markers, like, a big fat box of Crayola markers, brand new. None of them were worn out. Mm -hmm. Just some paper. She just made made buttons. And she was like, thank God I'm a muggle-born because any witch, (laughs) like, witch-born, you know, whatever, pureblood that came in here would be like, oh, no. I've never seen a marker before. What do I dip it in?
0: Are these to transfigure into the buttons? I'm just (laughs)
2: like... i'm just
0: glad hermione at least got to have some like craft time some like meditative craft time
2: it's also
1: (laughs) gonna come really in handy in her like you know political future when she's an angry vegan in a couple years
0: oh my god she made so many buttons running for her i mean i know we're ignoring anything not the books but like let's be real about her we all knew hermione was going to be the fucking minister of magic at some point i didn't
1: i think hermione's a magical historian
0: That is a good point, actually. She'll be a very good magical historian.
1: I just feel like all three of these kids, like, they don't want anything to do with politics after they win this goddamn war. Like, Hermione's gonna write a, like, true and, like, not highly selective history of Hogwarts that's gonna blow Bethilda Bagshots out of the water. I'm fine with Ron helping run his brother's joke shop. That makes sense for him. Harry's gonna teach Defense Against the Dark Arts at Hogwarts, they're all just going to be like, oh, my God, I'm so glad that my life is calm now.
0: I don't know. I feel like out of all of them, I I could still see Hermione being like, oh, no, I'm going to fix this shit myself. Like this fucking corrupt ass government.
1: <laughs> maybe, but not as the minister. I don't think maybe as like a lawyer, but I don't think as the minister. I just don't see Hermione like I just don't feel like being in the top office is like allows you to affect like the level of change that she wants.
0: But I feel like I could see her going into whatever department takes care of non magical beings and being like, Oh, we're rewriting all of all of all of these oh, hell fucking, yes. all that fucking shit.
1: I can like, see. Like we're that. doing
0: all that. And I think I don't know, it's because we don't really see it, really, it's kind of like I don't really quite understand how where you got where people are picking ministers from, but it seems to be from internally within the ministry. So it's sort of like, I mean, I don't know. Well, who if the it's fuck the else only are they
1: going gonna... <laughs> <laughs> to This
0: entire world. <laughs> Where else are they going to come from? Yeah,
1: just like out of nowhere, Florian Fortescue is running for <laughs> Minister of Magic.
0: Listen, you know he was he was helping Harry with his homework that one time. I'd vote you for know. him. Sure, I would also vote for him. Would that involve free ice cream? Who knows. <laughs> <laughs> He could have the political rallies at his ice cream shop. Yeah. Anyway.
1: seems like a nice guy.
0: <laughs> Which is, I think, honestly better than most of the ministry employees we meet in these series.
1: I, yep.
0: Like, okay. are, are you a nice human being? <laughs> Do you have any level of empathy? Okay, great.
1: Yep. <laughs> yep. <sighs> uh, yeah all right uh you know what i'm gonna skip some stuff and just end this with a his comma harry comma rant all right if sirius got caught it would be his comma harry's comma fault i would like to propose for your consideration if sirius got caught it would be harry's own fault feelings
0: yeah no that sounds great it's a great sentence even though, again, I do not think it's Harry's fault, but, you know, Correct. Harry it's Harry's fault. <laughs> yes. But yes, as a sentence, yes. It does the exact same job, but better.
1: <laughs> Great. Choose one. Welcome to the health and science section, where we talk about magic and science and magical science.
0: All right. So we get a very thorough description of what the unforgivable curses are which is great and i've always been curious about the cruciatus curse Mm -hmm. because we know that it is causing some terrible pain physical pain without like blood or whatever is happening and uh we know from next book that it is also or actually from this book that it's also possible to be to have the Curseatus curse cast on you for so long where you like lose your mental facilities, mm-hmm. which is like, what the fuck is going on here? And so, I have, I am proposing here and to you, Lark, that I think that the Curseatus curse is essentially like a magical neurotoxin.
2: Yeah.
0: So, it's because, like, I think it's the way that it's described, and Hano gets cruciated at some point, right?
1: Yeah, I think Bellatrix does.
0: And I feel like the description we get of it and sort of the end effects seems to be something, some kind of nerve damage related. And um, according to Wikipedia, I mean, uh, just because it's sort of, just because of sort of how, not like delicate, but... There's a bunch of things about your nervous system that sort of makes it kind of easy to, like, not like easy to disrupt, but once you get disrupted, it fucks you up. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of neurotoxin exposures, like say to lead, causes like memory issues, brain issues, physical impairments, like, I mean, not that having lead poison hurts you. It doesn't hurt you. But I mean, there are plenty of neurotoxins that are like vent. They're like venomous animals that, I mean, it does cause pain. Right. So I think that in my slightly scientific opinion that this has got to be, yeah, like just some sort of like this curse just taps into your nervous system and just fucks it all the way up. hmm So.
1: I think that makes sense.
0: So, yeah. And I think that I guess sort of like, because we asked before, like what makes the Cruciatus curse are the killing curse better than a spell that I don't know makes your skin peel off or whatever. Like, how is that not unforgivable? But I think he mentions, like Moody mentions here, that there's obviously no counter curses or a way to block the killing curse. So I wonder if the same is true for Imperio and Cruciatus, where there's just like not a way for you to even defend yourself against those mm. curses, and that's what makes it unforgivable. Is like, you know, they're like the AKs of you know, magical spells. Like you mm-hmm. can't. I mean, be pointing AK at someone. There's, there's very little that's gonna save you from that. And I think maybe the unforgivable curses must be like that.
1: Yeah, I think, I think, I think that makes sense.
0: I don't know enough about uh, neuroscience. I'm not a neuroscientist to say exactly what's going on with the, with the imperial curse. But we can talk about that once we get to the point where Harry is fighting it off. Mm-hmm. So, because we get the actual description of what that is like.
1: Yeah. All right, um, so my only thing in this section this week is uh, that Neville melts his sixth cauldron. I assume sixth ever, not sixth this year because they yeah. are just having their first class. So a very long time ago, in one of our first episodes, I like went on a rant about the melting point of pewter and you sure did. how they're using pewter cauldrons, and I think that's ridiculous. Uh, someone on Twitter was like, hey, uh, thermodynamics, like the pewter is never going to get warmer than the water inside of it or something. And so it wouldn't melt, basically. Okay, cool. Neville, like us, has ADHD. I burn my food that I'm trying to make myself for lunch three times a week. Like I start making it and then I forget that I'm making it and I start working and I'm like, what is that smell? And then I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm cooking something. So I like... Would just like to say that as part of Neville's accommodations that I think he deserves, they should be not using pewter cauldrons, you know? Like he should have an iron cauldron and that yeah. should be fine. He
0: should he should have he should have like an enamel lined cast iron cauldron. That shit should be like a La, La Dutch oven up in yeah. there. I'm sure you could ruin one. It's pretty hard to do that. Yeah. And like not a lot's gonna react to an enamel lining. Even your precious potions.
1: Exactly. Yes. So regardless of thermodynamics, I think it's unreasonable that Neville Longbottom has been given replacement cauldrons that are all still made of pewter. Like,
2: no.
0: Yeah, this is why, this is part of the reason why I can't have like Teflon coated stuff because I forget to not use a metal thing on it. Or I'm like, I'll put it in the oven at 450. This is good for 400. I'm like, eh. Like, I need something where if I burn it or, or forget about it, it's not going to tr- kill me mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. Also, sorry, I'm just now imagining the like Bobaton kids with like Lacroixette college. <laughs> <laughs> they're in like different colors. They have like the cute little like LEDs oh, on it. They and they're do. just like, what are you guys using at Hogwarts? Computer.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> Oh my.
2: <laughs> <sighs>
1: yep. All right. Uh, what else do you have?
0: Uh, I just have one more thing, I guess. A little. Because we, we learned uh, new information about the killing curse, which is that you need to have a lot of power behind it. And Moody is like, you guys could all try to kill me and I wouldn't, I maybe wouldn't even get a nosebleed. And I'm like, which is, I think, I find very interesting. So it's like, okay, so. Your average 15-year-old couldn't, like, kill someone with it. I mean, Voldemort did, but...
1: So Bellatrix tells us at the fight in the Ministry that you have to mean it. Like, Harry tries to cast Crucio on her, and she's like, psh, you have to mean it. And I think power maybe isn't the right word. I think maybe it's intent. Like, even if you're so angry at someone and you're like, Vada like I don't think it's like pulling a trigger on a gun where you can be like, in a split second, you pull that trigger and then the split second later, you're like, I legitimately do not want that person to die. I think this spell, you have to want that person to die with every fiber of your being. Otherwise, it's going to give them a nosebleed and nothing else.
0: Yeah. It might be a combination of both, too. Yeah. Because I guess it's it's just hard to know because everyone we see using the killing curse means it and the effect of someone is dead, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting. And it's interesting that we get here that it's like, you can't just point your wand into the words and someone's going to die. It's like more than that.
1: Right. You know? All right. It's a very heavy place to end our episode.
0: Uh, yeah. I don't have anything that's not heavy <laughs> that I skipped over. So,
1: <sighs> All right. Well, on that note, thank you for listening to this episode of The Gayly Prophet, uh, this podcast and our other podcast, Escape from Reality, where we talk about the Simon Snow series by Rainbow Rowell, our creations of Hashtag Ruthless Productions, and are produced, mixed, and edited by me. Uh,
0: if you want to support us, you should leave us a rating on, on iTunes. You should tell your friends about this here awesome podcast for them to listen to while they Continue to work from home, hopefully. Um, you can follow us on social media. We're at profit on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can also go to our website at hashtag ruthless.com where you can uh, buy our merch, donate money to us, join our Patreon from there. Uh, all kinds of cool stuff.
1: Heck yeah. Uh, if you want to find me on the internet, I'm at Lark Malachi on Instagram, and my website is LarkMalachi.com, which is where you can get a tarot reading from me if you want to.
0: Uh, and I am on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit, and mm-hmm. on Instagram at Live from Detroit, where I'm often posting adorable kitten content. <laughs> so much good kitten content lately. <laughs> I,
1: it's really great. Uh, The music in our theme song is by Kevin MacLeod. Our show art is by Theo Julian Forrester. And until next time.
0: Balderdash. Trigger warning. Calculation. People for the ethical treatment of animals. (laughs) (laughs)